Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It is good to be together for sure. And uh, man, it's uh, communion Sunday. I love. It's quite a quite a gift that our God has given us uh, to just gather up in His name and. Remember everything that he's done for us and what a blessing that is. I love Communion Sunday. And I love that we do it. It says take it often. We do. Take it once a month. And we spend time on it. We don't ever want it to be a ritual that just passes by. Uh, and that's why we take it once a month to uh, make sure that we can just spend as much time as we need to do it right. To do it in his name. And so... Uh, Welcome this morning, and uh, it is good to be together, it's good to see you all, and I'm going to steal Craig's line, you all look good, you look good, it's good to be together with you, and, uh, and man, yeah, a couple of announcements though before we get going, uh, I know this has taken a little while, but I know there are um, some people that are extremely happy about this, maybe some young individuals, but um, uh, there's an announcement that I need to make, and, and uh, I'm excited about it too. But uh, Travis and Glenda, well, I'm going to say Travis, has asked her to marry him, and she has said yes. That is good. And uh, more details to come, right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so that is good news, and we're excited about that, and, and uh, yeah, it is good. I think there's some boys and a young lady that are excited, too. All right, uh, next Sunday, next Sunday is Potluck Sunday, so, you know, again, one of my favorite Sundays, always one to look forward to, and um, also our annual meeting. So, uh, if you can, please stick around after the Potluck. And uh, we're going to have an annual meeting, and that's going to be my first one, so I'll get to see how it goes, and, and I'm looking forward to it, and, you know, the elders have warned me with all the horror stories of it, so, I, no, I'm joking, it's good, it's going to be great, and, uh, and there's something about a suggestion box, so um, please leave my name off of those if you can, <laughs> it's good, no, so please join us, um, and, and if, uh, uh, just like always, well, like like last time, I'll say that um, if you're gonna if you're gonna come and enjoy in that potluck, please please bring plenty because there's always guests. It seems, which is a great blessing for our for this body. And so, if you would, just just make sure you bring plenty and uh, and join in so that uh, all those guests can can stick around too and, and enjoy that meal. And. Uh, it is a blessing to join together in that. So those are the two uh, announcements. You know, uh, last week as we were going through the Word, we got to John the Baptist, and I said, stay tuned. Uh, come back this week and bring a friend, and, and we're going to jump into John the Baptist. And in the first chapter of John, and so... Uh, I'm not going to hold that off anymore. We're going to jump into uh, the life of John the Baptist a little bit in, in that we get in, in this first chapter of John. And so if you want to turn me to, to John chapter 1, we're going to do some reading there. 
But like I've been saying, we have, as we work our way through the book of John, we have to make sure that we read it as John wrote it. And he had incredible intention when he wrote this gospel. And he lays it out in John 20, verse 31. John 20, verse 31. If it's not highlighted in your Bible already, highlight it, underline it, star it. John 20, verse 31. It helps us to understand. John says, These things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is a Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. That's how we read John. The Apostle John wrote this gospel so that we will know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that when we believe that, we will have life in His name. And so we need to make sure that that's how we're reading it as we, as we work our way through the details of the gospel of John. So, I know that we've read John chapter 1 a couple of times. We're going to read it again because it's that good. So we're going, to, we're going to read till about from 1 to verse 42 or so, and, and then we'll uh, dig into it. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The truth. Uh, uh, the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, This was, a, was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Now this was John's testimony when the Jews and Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to him, who he who he asked him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but he confessed freely, "I am not the Christ." They asked him, "Then who are you? Are you Elijah?" He said, "I am not." Are you a prophet? He answered, "No." Finally, they said, "Who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us." What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the desert. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now some Pharisees who had been sent questioned him. 
Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And baptize with water, John replied. But among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might reveal to Israel, might, might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus, turning around. Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent the day with him. It was about the tenth hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard that John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas. Harash! That's God's word, and it is good. We're going to dig into it a little bit. When you look at the life of John the Baptist, he was on quite a journey. His life was quite a journey when we look at it. But I want us to remember one thing, that he was 100% human. He was 100% man. We need to make sure we look at that and know that as we look at his life and work our way through. Let's go to our God in prayer, and we'll, we'll get into it. Father God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you for every person that has come in these doors to come and seek you and worship. Sing hymns and songs of praise. What a blessing that is to be able to do that to you, God. Lord, I pray right now that your word is heard. Your truth is heard, not mine at all, God. But your truth, and I thank you for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So if you recall in the Gospel of Luke, in, the cha in chapter 1 of, of the Gospel of Luke, um, we're told that the angel Gabriel came to Zechariah and told him, Hey, your wife is going to have a child. You're going to have a son. And you're going to name him John. And he said, Oh, I don't know about that. He said, well, I'm telling you about that because now I'm going to make you mute until that boy is born. So, he was mute until John was born. But in that also, the angel said something. 
There's some facts that I think we need to look at here because the angel said that John would be filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. He would be filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. And he went on to say that he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to make ready a people for the Lord. So let's go back to John 1, 6 and 7. When we look at John 1, 6 and 7, it says there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him, that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. John uses some interesting descriptive words here to describe John the Baptist. And he uses one word twice. He says he came as a witness. And he also says he came only as a witness. You know, I find it interesting when we go to the Old Testament to look at what a witness was or what a witness was to be, what it took to be a witness or to bring a testimony. So we've got to go to Deuteronomy 17. And I'm going to throw quite a few verses at you today. So if you have a pen, write them down. Uh, I'll look at them in your Bible. But I'm going to... I'm going to Quite a few verses, so I think we need to do that, though, to draw the conclusion that we need to get to. So Deuteronomy 17.6. Deuteronomy 17.6 says this, On the testimony of two or three witnesses, a person is to be put to death. Is to be put to death. But no one is to be put to death on the testimony of only one witness. Alright? Deuteronomy 19.15. Deuteronomy 19.15 says this. I hear some pages rough. I'll, I'll wait. It's good. Turn me to Deuteronomy 19.15. Deuteronomy 19.15. It says this. One witness is not enough to convict anyone accused of any crime or offense they may have been, that they may have committed. A matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If one witness is not enough to convict a person of an offense, a murder, whatever you want to call it, because a, a matter must be established by the testimony of two or three. It takes two or three witnesses to make a testimony, right? Then why did God send one man to be a witness? What does it say in the New Testament? What does it say in the New Testament about a witness? Can it be one? John 8, 13. John 8, 13. And I'll tell you, in this, Jesus is being confronted by the Pharisees. And they're, they're calling him out. John 8, 13. It says this. And it's the Pharisees talking to him. Here you are, speaking to Jesus. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. They're saying it's not valid because you're doing it yourself. You don't have two or three. You're by yourself. It's not valid. So the question becomes, in my mind, I'll say, did God just send one witness? Did he send John the Baptist as a witness? Let me start working through this. Uh, 
We can see that John absolutely shared his testimony. He shared his testimony to prove that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God. But was it valid? Because if he was by himself, it wasn't valid. So is he by himself? The answer to the question is absolutely no. And here's where I'm going to throw some scripture at you because we're going to look at some witnesses. Okay? The first one, the Samaritan woman. The Samaritan woman, John 4.29. John 4.29. The Samaritan woman was absolutely a witness. It says this, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. If you recall the story, Jesus absolutely did. Could this be the Messiah, she says. The other witness. Another witness is the works of Jesus. John 10, 25. John 10, 25. Jesus answered, I tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me. They witness about me. The works of Jesus are a witness to him. The Father, John, John 5, 32 through 37. John 32 through 37. It says, There is another who testifies about me. There's another who witnesses about me, Jesus is saying. And I know that the testimony which he gives about me is true. You have sent messengers to John, and he has testified to the truth. But the testimony I receive is not from man. <clears throat> but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was the lamp that was burning and shining. And you are willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony I have is greater than the testimony of John. For the works which the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I do, testify about me that the Father has sent me. In verse 37 right here. And the Father who has sent me, he has testified about me. He has witnessed about me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. The Old Testament. The Old Testament, John 5, 39 through 40. The Old Testament is a witness to Jesus Christ. John 5, 39 through 40. It says, you examine the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. And in those very scriptures that testify about me, that witness about me, Jesus is speaking this truth. And yet you are willing to... And yet you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. The crowd. John 12, 17. John 12, 17. John 12, 17 says this. So the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to testify about him. Continue to witness about him. The crowd continues to witness. The crowd hopefully today continues to witness. The Holy Spirit. John 15, 26 and 27. John 15, 26 and 27. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me, and you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. 
John the Baptist was not the only witness sent. No, he was a witness that was sent. A witness. And many others that came with him to witness to build the testimony. He came to witness that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And this is exactly what he did. The, the author of the Gospel of John gives us the testimony of John. And it starts in John 1.19. Turn back over there. John 1. 1.19. Because this is John's testimony right here. And we can dig into it. We've ruled out that he wasn't the only witness. We know that he was a witness among many who testify that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. So John 1.19 and following. Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely. I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you a prophet? He said, no. Finally they said, who are you? Give us an answer that we can take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him. Why then do you baptize if you are not Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of Jordan, where Jesus was baptized. There's a lot of talk about the topic of John the Baptist and Elijah. And John being Elijah. And I, and I talked about it at the very beginning in Luke 1.17. It said that he, will come, that he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. What's all that mean? But when he asked, when he was asked, are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. I'm not him. So how do we reconcile all this? See, I think we can gain understanding when we go back to the Old Testament in Malachi. Malachi 4.5. Malachi 4.5. says this to us. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. The mention here of Elijah was to announce the Messiah's arrival. Christ was coming. Some may read this literal, that it was going to be Elijah again. But that's not what it was saying. You know, when you tie in Luke 117 to that, it's telling us that John the Baptist fulfilled the prophecy. He fulfilled the prophecy that he is like Elijah. That he's like him in many ways. The same type of ministry. That he was the same power. The very, very similar personality. Elijah was very, very bold. And I think we can say the same about John the Baptist. Very bold in proclaiming the word of God. Very bold in proclaiming Jesus Christ, the Messiah's coming. Recall the account of Elijah 
uh, dealing with with the worshipers of Baal on Mount Carmel. You can see that boldness. He said, why y'all worshiping two gods? It doesn't do you any good to worship two gods. Just pick one. Just pick one and worship him. But you know what? Let's figure out who, which one is a god. Because I don't want you just worshiping anybody. Let's worship a true God. So you know what? You take that ox over there and you cut him up and you put him on Baal's altar and you cry out to your God and have him come and light that fire and burn up that sacrifice. So they did. <laughs> they cut up the ox and they put it on the wood and the altar. And, and he said, but don't put any fire to it. You call your God and you have him light that fire. So they did. They cried and wailed for their god, old Baal, to come and, and light the fire. And it didn't happen. And he's like, well, I said, you know what? I bet he's sleeping. I bet he's sleeping. So why don't you just cry a little louder? So they did. They cried louder and, and cut themselves. And they, they got pretty excited. Baal, come and light the fire. After, after quite a while of Eliza poking him in the chest saying, hey, where's your lowercase g god? He said, come over to me. I'm going to show you who God is. So Elijah took the ox and he prepared it. And he took the altar and rebuilt it for the Lord. And he took the 12 stones and he, and he placed them in a circle. And he put wood on that. And then he put the ox on top of that. And he said, you know what? That's too easy for my God. I need you to go get four pitchers of water. And come and dump it on top of this so that way it's really ready for fire. Not once, not twice, but three times. Let's pour four pitchers of water. I forgot. He did dig a trench around it, and there was water everywhere. And luckily, he did dig that trench because it held the water. And then he said, guys, watch this. Let me pray. Let me pray to my God, the true one and only God. And he prayed. And God came and showed up. And he lit the fire. And that fire didn't just consume the burnt offering. It consumed the burnt offering. It consumed the wood. And it consumed the stones, it says. The stones it consumed. And it licked up every part of the water that was everywhere. Elijah knew he would do it. Because he was bold in God. Not in himself. Not in anything. But his God. He knew his God would come and show who he is. And he did. You know what? John the Baptist was the same way. John the Baptist was very bold in claiming Jesus Christ. When he was questioned, who are you? He was very bold about it. He confessed that I am not the Messiah. I, I'm not even worthy to untie that guy's shoes. See, he took and he put everything on Jesus Christ. He said, it's not about me. I'm a nothing. I'm a nothing. But he, the Christ, the Son of God, he is everything. And he's coming. And he's coming. They said, though, who are you then? What can we take back to our people and tell them who you are? And he says this, I am the voice of one calling or one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. What does that mean? What's he saying? He quoted Isaiah 40, verse 3. Isaiah 40, verse 3. 
where it prophesied that a forerunner would appear to announce the coming of the Christ. It all ties back, right? It all ties back to Elijah. A, someone like Elijah would come, and he's saying, I'm fulfilling this prophecy. He was the forerunner. He was the one announcing. But I want you to get this. He was a voice. He was a voice. And Israel was the wilderness. He was a voice. He spoke of himself as just a voice. He, he didn't, didn't pose as a, as a great man that needed praise and worship. But he said, I'm just a voice. Not to be seen, but to be heard. He showed us how to be just a voice. Christ was the word. Christ was the word. See, the word needs a voice to make it known. But the voice is of no value without the word. But I want you to hear this. I want to be very clear in this. That, that the word is infinitely greater than the voice. Infinitely greater than the voice. But it can be our privilege. It can be our privilege to be a voice for our Lord and Savior. You see, John's message was to make straight the way of the Lord. And when you break all this down, he said the Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. Remove anything in your life that is stopping you from receiving Jesus Christ as Lord. Remove anything that you've built up that stops you from having Jesus. Soften your hearts. Soften your hearts and seek the forgiveness that you need to so that Christ can be the Lord of your life. That's what he was saying. That's what he was saying. But isn't that the message that we should be speaking? <laughs> you know, when you look at the life of John the Baptist, he was very clear that he was just a person. Just a normal person. They got the privilege of being a voice for Jesus Christ. We, too, are just normal people. Who get the privilege of being the voice for Jesus Christ. And are we allowing that voice to be heard? I'm going to invite the praise team, the worship team, music team up. You know our world over the last two weeks, well, longer than that, but I'm going to focus on the last two weeks, all right? It's been a little while. There's a lot going on in our world, and there's even talk of civil war. Talk of all kinds of things that I don't know that we can even grasp what it means. There's so much talk going around that we don't even know what truth is. It's hard to decipher what is truth and what is not. But you know what, guys? We have one truth. One truth that we can stand in. 
one truth that we can know deep down in our heart. It is all about Him. And that's the truth. The truth is that Jesus Christ came for you and for me. And He says, if you confess me, and you believe in your heart that God has raised me from the dead, you'll be saved. That is a truth that you can stand in and you can be that voice that spreads that to the world just as John was trying to do. What a blessing. You know, John the Baptist was like Elijah. Why can't we be like John the Baptist? I think we can. Today is the day to recommit to God. That you will be the voice for him. He doesn't need you to be the voice. I want to be clear on that. But he wants you. He wants you to be his voice. He wants you to proclaim from the mountaintops that Jesus Christ is Lord. And today, let's get rid of the hate. Let's get rid of the things that our world is trying to push onto us that we should be angry walking around, whatever it is. Get rid of that. Put on love. Put on love. Let's be the voice. Call on Jesus Christ. And let me just tell you that if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, today's the day. If you want to do that, please come and talk to me when we stand and sing here in just a minute. Today's the day. Today's the day. Father God, thank you that you've given us your word. I thank you that we have the gospel of John that has so much detail in it. We know that there was not just one witness in John the Baptist, but you sent witness after witness after witness. And still today there is witness after witness. Lord, help us to be a voice for you, a witness for you. Every day. What a blessing it is that we get to be a part of that. Of calling people to you. What a blessing. And I pray we take that serious and we do that. We be a voice. And if there's anybody here that has not allowed you, Jesus, to be their Lord, I pray that they soften their heart today and call you into their heart. I pray that they have the courage to come to the back and pray with me. Right now. So we stand and see. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.